Welcome to the Property Nomads podcast. And here are your hosts, Rob Smallbone and Matt McSherry. Hello and welcome to another episode with the Property Nomads. I hope you're all doing very well. Today we are going to be covering joint ventures. So this is going to be quite in depth. So starting off, Rob, what is, uh, what is a joint venture? A joint venture is when two or more persons come together to form a temporary partnership for the purpose of carrying out a particular project. That might be some land development, that might be a commercial conversion, something along those lines. So it's basically a transfusion of people coming together to carry out a project. Right. And what, what would you say the reason why you, you joint venture with somebody? There's many reasons why you would look to joint venture. You might have a lot of time on your hands and someone's got a lot of money, you might have a lot of money in sat in your account and you might want to team up with someone that's got a lot of time. You also might have money and someone else has got a lot more knowledge. There's many different reasons why you, why you might want a joint venture. And why would you not want a joint venture? If it doesn't fit in with your lifestyle, if you do not want to joint venture, some people just don't want to joint venture, that, you know, some people do like working with themselves or working by themselves, don't like working with others. And if it doesn't create a win-win situation, the whole overriding aspect with joint ventures is that as long as you can create a win-win situation, that's what you've got to be aiming for. Same yeah. thing with life, to be fair. As long as you're creating win-win situations consistently, can't go wrong. And I think one, one way to, uh, to kind of get the feels as to whether it's a good joint venture or not is intuition. I think you should be always following your intuition. If it feels right, chances are it will be right. If it doesn't feel right, chances are it won't be. So if, as Rob said, it's not really a 50-50, a win-win situation, and you feel as though it's very one-sided, then don't feel pressurized to go forward with that particular venture. Take a step back, look from an outside perspective in, and if it doesn't feel right, don't do it. Simple as that. Yeah, there has to be that win-win element, and that's really what creates a good joint venture. If someone's going to lose out, then that's not fair. I wouldn't do it. But I'm sure many of our listeners wouldn't do it either. Create those win-win situations. That's what creates a good joint venture. Is, you know, is there synergy amongst the different partners? Does everyone know what they're doing? Does everyone know their roles and responsibilities? You know, all of these get marked out at the start. We'll you know, obviously speak about that in depth in, in a bit. Yeah, so many people... You hear all these horror stories about different joint ventures, uh, you know, things that have gone wrong or, you know, things that, you know, lessons that people have learned. So key thing is know what you want, know your roles and responsibilities, have that synergy, good synergy with other people, get everything written down, you know, nine times out of 10, can't go wrong. And I think with that as well, um, what you want to do is when you find a joint venture, you want to ask them a question which is going to be very powerful and help you massively within this joint venture moving forward. So the question you want to be asking is what is the most important thing to you in X? And I think this question is so powerful because they may say security, they may they may say experience, whatever it may be, you will be able to find out exactly what it is and iron out any creases from the onset. That question is so powerful as well. What was the question again? Just so if people are driving over at the gym, they need to write this down. What's the question again slowly? So what is the most important thing to you in X? Yeah, and that, and that question is so powerful. You know, we've Since we've been told about that, I've, I don't know about you, Matt, I've certainly been using that in different circumstances. If I'm down there, you know, going out with someone or whatever, 
I'll I'll get that question in <laughs> every now and then because you know it's a good information finder as well as it you is. said. Someone might say if you sat down with someone and say what's the most important thing to you in purchasing this deal? Well, if they say security, you know it's just to them it might just they're just answering your question. Yeah. For you that should get your brain ticking over even further and going right okay security. That way, then, when you come around to talking a bit more business, if you can present security, for example, no one appreciates you listening. And yeah. number two, you then kind of play into their needs yeah. as such, if that makes sense. So, yeah. I'd, I'd say have, it's more of a bit of a, a life hack question more than anything, because you can use this in every aspect of your life. If you're looking to date somebody, when you first initially meet them, that's a, a brilliant question to ask them from the onset, because then you can figure out what they're what their biggest value is or, you know, what their what the most important thing to them is in a relationship. So it, it works in all, all walks of life, not just business. So um, use this and keep it in your arsenal because you can use it in all walks of your life. Yeah, it is a very nonchalant question and make sure that you're listening because that's what we were giving two ears for and, and one mouth. A lot of people say that finance is, is more challenging to come by and, you know, I, I don't know where to find joint venture partners. So we'll quickly touch on some great places where you can find joint venture partners. Well, just, just to add to that, Rob, actually, um, money is everywhere. No matter what people say, money is everywhere. I mean, we're going to give you some you know, great ideas of where you can go and meet potential JVs, but it, honestly, it is absolutely everywhere. And when you start finding them, you believe, you, you'll start believing and understanding how easy it is. Yeah, it's really, it's really not difficult. It's really not. A lot of people are trying to you know, overdo it, you know, trying to, Say that oh it's it's difficult oh it's challenging etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Life isn't easy at yeah. the end of the day. But if you strategically work on finding investors and money, it will come to you. So I've just running through a few examples of where to find joint venture partners. You could go to property networking events. We've got various events up and down the country worldwide actually that you can go to. Caveat with this is if you are looking for finance. Nine times out of ten, the people that are turning up to said events are in need of finance. So there'll be a lot of competition there as well. But it is a good place to start. You can obviously get you know very good you know, education from the speakers and so forth as well. Attending local business networking events and charity events. So Business Networking International, again, dotted up and down and around the UK, worldwide as well. People are going to be there with different forms of businesses again you know people might or may not have money you won't know that on day one take the time to to build it up but bni's are very very good charity events as well every so often and get together you know everyone normally has a few beers and ends up bidding i've <laughs> heard a story a little while ago that some people got together um some uh, property investors got together had a few drinks started bidding and someone ended up buying a bmx for six thousand pounds um so Thing, little little things like that. If people are doing that, they're going to have money sat around somewhere. So charity balls, etc. I think the thing as well is with a couple that we're going to go into as well. It's important to almost think outside the box. Yeah, you know, money can be everywhere, but as long as you're strategically networking, it'll be beneficial as well. I think it's just about getting creative at the end of the day, um, and kind of using some of my experiences. I'm a, a massive believer in social media for looking for JV partners. Um, again, from my experiences, I've managed to get quite a few from here and I've also managed to raise funds from social media as well. So 
I can't stress the importance of jumping on social media and, and utilizing that as much as possible. You know, getting onto different Facebook groups, um, you know, there's, so, there's different ones on LinkedIn as well. Uh, and just becoming very active. I mean, don't just go in there and start, you know, requesting for funds or requesting for joint partners to join certain projects. You want to be providing content within these groups, getting to know people within the groups. And then you'll find as you build up the relationships, people will start messaging you direct, you know, watching what you're doing on your own personal profile. And then people will start asking questions. And then that's when you can build the relationships and potentially move forward with a joint venture or raising finance through that as well. But yeah, 100% social media is so essential um, to finding JVs. And I think the way society is moving at the moment, technology is such a massive thing now. So you've got to move with the times and technology is where it's at. So you're probably going to get to a point later on down the line where networking events are going to not be needed anymore because everyone will be doing it online. You know, there's so many things that are coming in. Yeah, you, you and I both have managed to raise finance um, in our different aspects of, of business as well through social media. So yeah, such as the 21st century and you know, the world that we're living in now, it's a very important tool. And again, uh, to take a phrase from you, it's a very good weapon to have in your arsenal yeah. as well. Um, and along with moving on from social media, as well, visiting high-end clubs and restaurants as well. Now, wealth perception is a very interesting thing. You can be perceived to have, you know, a lot of money just judged by where you're eating, for example. Um, I'll give you an example. I was in, this was ages ago, I was back in Reading, where I'm from, and myself and my mum, we went out for sort of like a late afternoon meal to probably the second best restaurant in, in Reading, a London Street Brasserie. Went down there and it was it was ourselves there and there was a, a couple couple of tables down. We were the only four people in the restaurant. My mum and I we were talking different aspects of business. The people sat a couple of tables down. They were talking about commercial conversions in Croydon that they were doing multi million pound projects. Now, from the fact of going to that particular restaurant and having a meal like that, and you, you're almost in with that sort of clientele. Now you don't get that in you know McDonald's or Burger King or, or TGI Fridays very unlikely so when you're going out if you're being strategic with it and you enjoy going out you know for dinner etc 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 step it up again start going to slightly higher end restaurants because the amount of people that you're going to be in and around you just never know what you're going to hear and never know you know what opportunities are going to come up for introducing yourself and your business and it's the same with high-end clubs as well another good one sports clubs and gyms so be busy i mean gyms are absolutely Everywhere. If you go to someone like David Lloyd's, you know one of the sort of higher you know, class gyms. You know, most people go there for working out, but some people do just actively go there for business. Yeah, because it's your surroundings. Again, you're dealing with people that you know are happily going to pay forty, fifty, sixty pound a month to go to the gym. Because if they're going to get a few hundred pounds or a few hundred thousand pounds worth of business done, you know that investment's well worth it for them. So if you enjoy going to the gym. Or even if you don't enjoy going to the gym, you can put it through as a company expense. Speak to your accountant on that. I'm not giving out financial advice. <laughs> go go, go to places like that and go and enjoy using those facilities. And just touching base on that as well, um, jumping on my experiences, um, both myself and Rob go to the same gym. We train together. And we don't go to a high-end gym. We actually go to a bit of an underground kind of working men's gym. And it's actually surprising how many very successful people go to that gym. Um, we've got an owner of solicitors, you know, we've got a few multi-millionaires in there as well. And you just never know who you're going to come by. Like, and, and we're not paying that much each month, but you just never know where money is. 
So they might be at your high end, but they also might be at your lower end. So just make sure you keep an open mind and get creative. Yeah, it's a very good point well made, actually. It's a never judge a book by its cover, I think, is the ultimate phrase, phrase for that. And in other great places where, again, you're going to have a very good chance of, of finding finance and so forth. When you say sports clubs, you know, rotary clubs, you can do that. Um, you might enjoy playing golf. You know, if you're standing on the fairway at nine o'clock on a Wednesday morning, you're there for a reason because you've got the time and you've probably got the money. Shooting as well. Now, regardless of where you stand on said activities, if you were to go clay pigeon shooting or so forth, again, similar thing. People will go out and do it first thing in the morning. If you've got the ability to do it first thing in the morning in a weekday, chances are you've got a bit of money behind you. Let's be honest. And sort of people that go to these sort of things are very, again, judging book by its cover, are going to be sort of your, not necessarily high levels of society, but people that are going to be fairly well off, shall we say. That's the general perception of that. So you, again, you can go to rotary clubs, you can go to shooting clubs, sailing as well. If you like sailing, if you're owning boats or running boats or, or whatnot, you're probably doing it for a reason. Or supercar club. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you like your cars, that, that's always a good one. I mean, I absolutely love my cars. I'm actually part of a, a couple of Facebook supercar clubs. And honestly, the, the amount of wealth within these uh, groups is just amazing. People are posting pictures of the cars, you know, Ferraris, Lamborghinis, nice Range Rovers, the lot. So if you're kind of building these relationships with them and potentially going even down to track days, even if you haven't got a car, but if you're building up your money and your assets, you can potentially loan a car for a day just to kind of uh, submerge yourself around these people. And uh, you'll be surprised what relationships and potential JV opportunities that you could actually bring about. Too true, too true. And I suppose the other one that you can, oh, it's not a bad place to start family events. Now, these could, these yeah. could be good family events and not so good family events, so weddings and funerals, for example. Now, you might be listening to this thing, well, that's a bit weird, but, you know, it's true. If you, you know, weddings and funerals, you know, there are a lot of extended family and your know, family, friends and so forth. And if everyone's there, you know, celebrating or obviously paying their condolences and so forth. Again, you're just out and about, you're chatting to people. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen you for a long time. How are you doing? Yeah, not doing too bad, thanks. What do you do? Oh, I do X, Y, Z. Yeah, see. All it is is networking. It's just a different form of networking. So you just n never know who is in your friends group, who is in your family group, and you know, take take advantage of of meeting with them and, and tell them what you do. And I think we actually touched on this on an earlier episode, actually about networking. Um, but as we said in that as well, um, always go somewhere with an intention in mind. Have an elevator pitch. You, you, so if someone's asking you what you're doing, that should be reeled off your tongue because you're so used to saying it all the time. So all these different people that you're meeting, if they're asking what you're doing, you've got this elevator pitch that's already stored with, in your subconscious. And it just you just let it out and you'll be surprised, obviously, what you could potentially get from that. Yeah, have that, have that, in, have that in your head as well. Because you never know when you're going to get asked and you want to be able to say it straight away without, without it sounding manufactured or without it sounding too boring. Like, yeah. Oh, I'm a property investor. I invest up in, you know, Newcastle and I do this, that, this, that, this. That sounds so bland and boring. But if you say, oh... You know, we help people make money in property by doing loan agreements or, you know, by helping beating the rate of the bank, for example. Well, that sounds more interesting. People are going to start asking questions about that. So you want to get your elevator pitch, but also make it not bland. Yeah. Make it so there's a, a question is going to come back to you. And give it some personality. Yeah. Give, make, make, make it a conversation start. Yeah, one. exactly. So, uh, the only other thing I can think of off the top of my head uh, is going to the races, going to the dogs, stuff like that as well. If you end up with 
if you end up, uh, you know, in a box at Royal Ascot, for example, you know, people pay for those sort of things. And the same with traveling first class as well on various transport, uh, train, airplane, etc. You know, yes, there is a, a premium for traveling first class. However, you're going to be surrounding yourself with people with a similar mentality. If they haven't got a similar mentality, again, chances are they're in there for a reason, probably down to money. So, And you use that as a reward. You know, if you've reached some sort of milestone in your career or, you know, you've reached a goal, then use that as a treat. I mean, it might not be a treat to most people, but you could utilise the money that you'd spend on, you know, upgrading your ticket to a first class as a bit of a treat. And you never know who you're going to meet there as well. Apart from that, obviously, we said that money's everywhere. Is there anything else at all that we could think of? Well, again, it just comes down to being creative. I mean, you've got your football clubs, athletics clubs, you know, people who are partaking in different sports. There's always family there watching and giving support. So just speak to people, tell them what you're doing. And it, it, money is everywhere. It is essentially everywhere. Just get creative. So moving on, I want to give you a, a bit of an idea of the different types of investors that are out there. Um, so let's give you an idea. So you've got a high net worth individual. So that's someone actually who earns around about 100,000 per year. Uh, and they earn 250,000 in assets, but that is excluding the home the pension and insurances. Um, so that's your high net worth individual. Yes. Yeah, so when the whole point of this is when you're presenting deals or you're looking to team up with people, high net worth individuals are very good people to be speaking to. However, it's up to you to find out if they're high net worth individuals. As you say, Matt, they have to be earning at least £100,000 a year or have £250,000 worth in assets. If they don't, then... Don't speak to them yeah. uh, on the, if you're looking at raising money for, for certain deals. So evidence actually must be provided and seen before you can actually present them with a deal, essentially. Yeah, and that's valid for 12 months as well. So if the criteria changes or something changes, again, you're going to have to ask them every 12 months as well. If they, people should never get funny about this sort of stuff. If for any reason they do, sign up to the ICO, the Information Commissioner's Office. It's about £40 a year and that... Basically, you have to secure their data. So although they shouldn't get funny about it, if they do, cover yourself with the ICO. That means you're sort of securing the data and information securely. That should give them an extra bit of peace of mind as well. Yeah. So I suppose it flows into actually the Financial Conduct Authority, uh, the FCA PS13-3 regulation. We'll actually touch on that after we've covered the types of investors. And um, we'll just give you like a, a brief idea of, of that regulation. So the next one would be a, a sophisticated investor. So this is someone who has experience within investments. You're looking like your angel investors, your venture capitalists. Um, they're the people that have obviously got experience within investments and they understand it. Um, then on the other end of that, you've got a sophist non-sophisticated investor, which is people who are unexperienced money lenders, i.e. family, friends, solopreneurs, and people like that. Yeah, and this is where FCA 13.3 or you know, PS 13.3 came about was to protect the general public from being exposed to investments which they might not understand. So this is where this has all come about. And you can work with these regulations. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. There's, I think it's an 84-page document. Good cure for insomnia, trust oh, me. Some mess, eh? We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Really important to, to read that. And there are going to be unscrupulous people out there. And, of course, if you listen to this, you're definitely not one of those, one of those people. But we always have to make sure that we're doing our homework properly and that we're doing things in the right way. That's an important part of property. Property is a people business 
at the end of the day. A couple of ways that you can raise finance without breaching said regulations. Number one uh, is to have loans. So with loans with people, you're offering a percentage for a fixed period of time. There's no equity in any of the deals and it's not dependent on the success or failure of projects, although it should be project specific. So Matt, just say we were having a chat down the pub or whatever and say, look, you know, I've got this, I've got this um, four bedroom property in Grimsby. Yeah. Uh, it's worth £200,000. You know, I think I can make it a six bed property, you know, double the money, basically. It'd be great to have £200,000 at 10% a year. And I'll pay you at the end of that year, £220,000. Very straightforward, very simple. Yeah. No messing around. That's obviously up to you to say yes or no with that. That's how simple it should be. And yeah. these things should be conducted or accompanied with, normally, uh, a loan note document. You can sign a personal guarantee if you want, but a regular loan note document is fine to say, you know, I, Matt McSherry, give you know, Rob Smallbone £200,000 at a rate of 10% for 12 months. Yeah. You know, on this day, X will be paid back to me. Very straightforward. And also, normally comes with some security as well. So a first charge on a property, possibly a second charge, or you know, an RX1, which is a restriction on a property. So you get all, all the stuff from land registry as well. So that's how simple it should be when you're dealing with non-sophisticated investors and loans. Nice and easy, it's nice and straightforward. Again, you really can't go wrong just by having all that paperwork in place. So another way would be to incorporate a new company. So it could be a limited liability partnership, it could be a, you know, an LTD limited company. And as long as everyone has an equal say in the management of the company or the specific property of which the company's been set up for, then it's absolutely fine. So you have you might have ten people each putting in hundred thousand pounds to get a ten percent you know weighting of that company. Fine, very easy, very straightforward. As long as you're doing it for that purpose, that's fine. That's a good way to adhere to these regulations. And finally, if you're looking to get investment from companies, uh, as long as you specifically aim your investor documents at companies, absolutely fine. Uh, Accompany it with loan note, might be some security there as well. Relatively straightforward. So again, we'll put that that link will be in the show notes. It's, It's quite a long document, but definitely well worth reading so you're adhering to these regulations not a lot of people know about them but it's very easy nowadays to fall foul of the law so check it out on the show notes brilliant so now we want to kind of briefly give you uh, a couple of different structures of different joint ventures just to give you an idea of what potentially you could use moving forward and i think it's always good to have you know a little bit of knowledge in these areas so that when you're meeting people you've got a few different strategies in your arsenal that you could potentially use so first one Straight JV. So this is pretty much time versus money. So basically, the JV partners understand each other's roles and responsibilities within this partnership, i.e. the person with a lot of time does pretty much the footwork, sources the deal, does all that kind of stuff. And then you've got the other end of that, someone that provides the money. And that's all they do. They provide the money. The other person does the groundwork. So that is pretty much a straight JV. Yeah, very, very straightforward. And another one that's very straightforward is an intellectual property JV as well. So it's where someone might have a lot more knowledge about a specific thing. So if you've got the money, but someone's got a lot more knowledge, again, very similar. You're going to utilise their knowledge to help yourself move forward. But you might fund a deal. So yeah, simple to set up. Yeah, nice and easy and straightforward. 
Um, another great one to do, say for example, you're not mortgageable for whatever reason, you've got any sort of CCJs against you or anything like that and you're just you're struggling to get a mortgage, then what you could do is the mortgage host JV. Now, what a mortgage host is, essentially the person that you're JMVing with, they'll put the mortgage in their name and they will own 100% of that property themselves. But you will give them a declaration of trust, a deed of trust will be written up by any good solicitor. Uh, it's a simple recognised document that is a UK legally binded document. What you do is you put this together and basically this forms um, basically a trust document between the both of you that you own 50-50 of the property. However, it's in the name of the mortgage host. Yeah, sounds complicated, but it is relatively straightforward because the devil's in the detail and it's with, yep. it's with what's been agreed in the first place. Another one that, again, similar to that that you could do, you could do a one, one for you, one for me, JV. Now, in theory, this sounds like it's absolutely brilliant. I'm yet to meet someone that's got this to work, to be perfectly honest with you. So you might effectively team up with a property sourcer and you might say, look, you take the first one, I take the second one. You take the third one, I take the fourth one and keep going like that. But again, in theory, should work quite well. I'm, I, I'm yet to find someone for, well, I'm yet to come across someone that this particular strategy works for. But if someone does mention it to you, again, if you've got all your detail, all your paperwork in place, there's no reason why it shouldn't work. And I think with this one, it's just about having a good relationship from the onset. Because chances are, if this to form this kind of JV, then one, you need to be relatively close to that, that individual um, and also want a good solid agreement written up at the end of the day you, you don't want to source someone a deal you know and then all of a sudden they're pulling out and saying look I'm not going to give you the finance for your next deal you know and that's the last thing that you want so you want to make sure from the onset before you even pursue a JV with them that a contract is put together and uh, signed by both of you straight away yeah as you said it's in theory should work I'm in, you know, in reality, I'm yet to find someone where this who this works for. Um, it is there just in case someone does offer it to you. No one could be a roll up JV. So rather, again, similar to your sort of regular JV, that's where someone's just rolling up the finance. Well, you just roll up the finance. <laughs> There's no easier way to, to put it. You, you just roll up the finance. So again, uh, using possibly a very simple loan, as we spoke about earlier on in the episode. Yeah. Yeah, relatively straightforward. And I think with that one, you always have to stipulate a time frame from the onset and always overestimate that time frame as well. Because sometimes with property, it's very volatile. You might set uh, seven months, eight months to complete uh, a full refurb and then refinance. However, sometimes this can take over 12 months. So always overestimate that time to, to give you flexibility uh, and autonomy moving forward. So they're just some different examples of JVs and you might, it seems like nowadays everyone's got their own words for them. So you might hear something called a roll up JV and someone might call it angel investment or, or whatever, whatever it is. At the end of the day, as long as you're adhering to those FCA regs 33, you're working with people, you know, that you like and trust that you've you know, built up that rapport with, and as long as all your paperwork's in place, you know, covering the good and bad, you know, stuff does go wrong. That's not, you know, property's not all roses and, you know, leprechauns and, you know, pots of gold and so forth. Stuff can go wrong sometimes. It will inevitably go wrong. So as long as all your bases 
boxes are covered, then you'll find that everything should be, it should work out in the end. Paperwork's important, get it done, get your heads of terms done. So another common thing that people will say is how, yes, you can structure a JV in different ways. Effectively, it's all gonna come down to having that blank piece of paper. You get what you want written down on one side, your joint venture partner gets what they want written down on one side, you talk it, you negotiate it. Once you are happy and everyone, you create that win-win situation, there's your head of terms, pass it off to a solicitor, get the solicitor to put their legal, you know, funky words on it, job done. Once, you know, the more work that you can do with people in the onset, the easier your life will be for everyone down the line. So yeah, don't, don't balk at the, the idea of paying 12 to 1500 pound for the heads of terms, paperwork, etc. Because my word, it's important. Because if stuff does go wrong and you get yourself in the shit, mind my language, you know, you'll want to know that you're covered. Very, yeah. very important. And it's the same It's same if you're looking to invest with family and friends. Regardless if you've already got that relationship anyway, you always want a contract written up and in place, regardless. Yeah, and there are a couple of things to, to add on that. We've got a couple of secret, you know, letters uh, that we'll go into. So the secret C, bonus for yourself, communication. Communication is important in, in any aspect and facet of life, especially property. Property is a people business. So when you're speaking with people, when you're networking with people, when you're talking to people, be open and honest in your communication. Okay, it, um, you know, there's no need to lie because if you lie, you get found out, and that's quite dangerous, especially as you said, Matt, earlier on with social media nowadays, it can get plastered all across there, and you'll be up crap creek without a paddle before you know it. Not good. Yeah, I thought you might appreciate that one. <laughs> so, you know, communicate constantly. That's what it's about. You know. Yeah, so you and, and, and I think this comes down to as well, as we said earlier on, that question, the big question, what is the single most important to you in? That is essentially good communication. Because if you can get this from the onset, then you can potentially iron out any objections from the onset straight away and form a good solid relationship and partnership moving forward. So communication is, is so key in forming good JV partnerships. Yeah, and you were given two ears and one mouth for a reason. Double the amount of listening that you do the amount of talking that you do so regardless of what happens communicate clearly at all times for good and for bad it's so easy if or when stuff does go wrong it's so easy to go and hide on your duvet and you know pretend that it's not happening grow a pair be honest it's like right this has happened etc 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 but that's why you know the planning stage and getting everything written down on heads of terms you know is very very important and the secret tea as well is time so many people think that they're going to go out to a networking event. They're going to, you know, find their knight in shining armor straight away. They're going to get five million pounds. They're going to be able to go and build a portfolio. And then three weeks later, they can go to Aruba and go to the beach and, you know, chill out and have your pina coladas. Doesn't quite work like that, I'm afraid. It would be nice, but it doesn't. No, well, give me St. Lucia over Aruba. Not that I've been to either, but the beaches just look better. But yeah, it, it, you know, hey, it would be nice if it worked like that. And I'm not saying that's impossible. You, you do hear the odd story of someone's, Gone to speak to someone, and then you know, next thing you know, they've jumped into bed, and it's all worked out. Happy, happy, happy. Win, win. Fair play. It does work. However, let's be pragmatic about it. Building that rapport does take time. You know, we were, I think, liaising talking about eighteen months before we decided to create the property nomads. We wanted to find out a lot more, you know, about each other. You know, what do you like? What do you not like? What's the most important thing to you in? So, you know, build up that rapport with people, try and find some common ground that's not business or property related. Now, for example, we both enjoy travel, we both have similar visions and values, and that's important. So there's that 
sort of connection yeah you know that we have there you might be speaking to people you might support the same sports club or you might have the same political view on something fine whatever it is find that common ground utilize those different touch points as well and what we mean by that is again it's unlikely that you're going to go out and raise money on meeting number one book those coffees in you know go down to the dogs go to the races do what you need to do to network with these people commonly it's between five to seven touch points isn't it yeah i mean again this this is self-preference i mean for someone like me i'd, I'd probably say more free if i'm totally honest and that'd be free not i wouldn't i wouldn't say meeting them in person three times just speaking to them at least three times i would then feel confident that i wouldn't be able to invest or, or joint venture with them but this it actually be, this would be great to hear your feedback from this guys actually um how how many times would it take for you to meet or speak with someone in order for you to JV with them, whether it's lending them finance or whether it's, you know, partaking a project with, with that particular person. It'd be great to hear. So if you can kind of get in touch and let us know, that'd be great. So you wouldn't even, you wouldn't on a side note, you wouldn't even necessarily meet them. You just do like a Skype meeting or... Sorry. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd have to see them. So it would be like a FaceTime, some sort of Skype, a Zoom call or whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, about three times, but they'd be quite in-depth meets. They wouldn't just be a, you know, hi, how are you? How's your day been? It'd be, you know, drilling down and again, that fundamental question, what is the single most important to you in? I'd be asking them, them types of questions as well. So yeah, that's it. Free. Free is good for me. Well, that's interesting. As for myself, I'd like to meet someone, I'd like to meet them physically yeah. rather than just do Zoom or Skype. That's just personal preference. So, yeah. As you just highlighted, everyone's, everyone's going to be different. Some people are going to have three touch points. Some people might have five. Yeah. Some people might have nine to 11. You know, there, there is no right or wrong. Just remember that when you're networking, when you're talking to people, you know, it does take time. It's very unlikely that it's going to happen overnight. And this is important to remember. Really important to remember. So, you know, don't neglect that aspect. That's been quite a, an in-depth episode. So hopefully you've enjoyed the, you know, extra content that we've been able to provide you. It's a bit more of a deep dive. Normally our episodes are about 15, 20 minutes. This one's going to be about 40. So communicate effectively and take your time. You know, in summary, why is a joint venture? Actually, yeah, let's go for a summary because we get told it's very good feedback. Um, really good for, for yourself, listeners. That's great. What is a joint venture? So two or more people come together to, for, the, for the sake of a project, basically, to move themselves forward. Why joint venture? You might have a lot of money and not a lot of time. You might have a lot of time, not a lot of money. It's better to have 50% of something than 100% of nothing. Why would you not want to joint venture? If it doesn't fit in with your lifestyle or you don't like working with other people, then that's when you wouldn't joint venture. What makes a good joint venture is when you're creating those win-win situations. If it's not a win-win situation, you don't want anyone to lose out in a joint venture. That's what will create a good joint venture. Talked about very briefly about FCA regulations, 13.3, high, you know, high net worth investors, sophisticated investors, non-sophisticated investors. All of that's in that massive document online. Again, the link's in the show notes. Various different structures of JVs as well. So you can have your roll-up JV, one for you, one for me, JV, you know, your sort of basic JV, 50-50, intellectual property, JV as well, uh, mortgage host too. They're the different structures. The secret C, communication. The secret T, which is time. Just get out and about. Money is everywhere. That's the other thing. Just about getting creative at the end of the day. You never know where you're going to find money. 
family, friends, or people who you meet through family or friends. You know, just get out there, get creative, and make sure that you've got an elevator pitch in mind and you can tell everybody about what you do and how you could potentially help them moving forward. Money is everywhere. There is no excuse. It'd be fantastic to be able to get your feedback on the podcast in general. If you were able to leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify, I think you can leave them on there anyway. I'll be getting some great feedback on the podcast. We're here to you know, provide as good a content as we can with yourselves. We've had some great feedback from people to actually just Facebook messaging us about things they'd like to hear, things that they're not a big fan of, or, you know, for example, they wanted more examples of stuff that we've actually done. So, Again, we're here to work with each other. We're here to work with yourselves and for yourselves as well to provide as much content as possible. If you can leave an iTunes review, that'd be great. We'll start reading them out now, you know, in order to recognise our listeners, in order to recognise yourself as well. So if you do that, that'd be absolutely brilliant. Thank you again for your continued support. It's really, really is fantastic. There's no other words to yeah. really describe. We, we really do support Um Appreciate your support. And um, yeah, we, we, we just love doing this and providing you guys with content. And um, yeah, we, just, we look forward to bringing you even more moving forward. And we've got a lot of good things in the pipeline. So we're excited to, to share that with you moving forward. It's wonderful. So go and leave a review, spread the, spread the words, share the love of the Property Nomads podcast. And thank you very much. Thank you very much, guys. All the best. Take care.